a bridge that makes unusual noises, a movie that has been banned from being shown in North America, and then we travel to Brussels to meet a man who had a close encounter with an alien surveyor. But things get really weird when the alien walks away. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so let's hop on board the Jason Jalopy. That's a Green Acres song. Is there an old television show involving a junkie car? Beverly Hillbillies was the one I was looking for. How does that song go? That is my non-copyrighted version of the Beverly Hillbillies song. Hillbillies song. So we're all hopping on board. I got my banjo. I'm sitting in the back. You guys get to drive the Jason Jalopy today. Just do the stupid episode. Hold on. I got to do my solo. Jason, the whole thing's been a solo. Ah, fine. I'll put my banjo away. You go, where are we going? And I say, we are going to Heartbreak Bridge. You're like, Jason, that's still not enough information. Just use the GPS. And as you try to figure out how to use my old GPS, you're finally able to find out that we're headed to the town of Portal, Nebraska. Cars going down the road. Sun setting. That's it for the episode. See you guys later. Now, so anyways, we end up in Portal, Nebraska. As we're going around the corner, the music starts up again. Your ears are bleeding at this point. You're like, I tell you, my doctor says I have to play this. If I stop playing, my heart stops. And you don't believe me entirely, but at the same time, you're a little unsure. So, but eventually I do. I'm going to put the banjo on my back. We're going to walk around Portal, Nebraska. Now, Portal is... Kind of an odd ghost town. From what I can gather, it is a town that is now surrounded by the suburbs. So it was basically like there was a railroad track there, a post office, a little town built around the post office, and then everything kind of shut down. But the buildings are still there, but then there's just suburbs around it. So it's like an old schoolhouse, an old post office, a train stop maybe a couple other buildings, and then, like, there's a green grass yard, and then there's, like, Lil Billy's house, where he just hangs out, throws baseballs at people. So, it's not like a traditional ghost town in the middle of nowhere type of thing. A town has popped up around this place. And for all I know, the buildings aren't there anymore. It was kind of hard to tell. This place is in, like, Wikipedia. It's a legit place. But this is pretty much the entire sentence in the Wikipedia page. Portal was established on the railroad... A post office opened at Portal in 1887 and remained in operation until it was discontinued in 1898. That's pretty much it. So why are you wasting my time with this, Jason? Why did you drag us all the way out to Portal if that's all there is? Wikipedia, that's all there is. Is there really a story here? And I go, yes, yes, I wouldn't waste your time. Would I? And then you go, Jason, did you listen to last Friday's episode? And I was like, okay, so let's talk about Portal, Nebraska. So, in the early 1900s, there was the school there, little school there. And at the school 
was a teacher. Can you have a school without a teacher? That is a question you should ask a philosopher. Or 20 years from now when all teachers have been replaced with robots. But can a school exist without a teacher as of now? No. And especially not back then. So you had a teacher and she was like coming to class and she's like, students, today we're going to learn about history. It's happening right now because it's the 1900s. So open your books and the kids are like, doing schoolwork, and then she'd go home and she'd eat soup, home alone, doing stuff, burglars trying to break in her house. She's like, ah, electrocuting them. The next day she comes to school, she's like, we're going to learn more about math today. It's the newfangled science, math, it just invented. So these little 1900 kids, there's not 1900 kids in the 1900s, kids. They're reading the books, learning about math, first time ever. She goes home. It's Home Alone too. Now, different burglars are trying to break in her house. Or maybe the same ones. I don't know. I never saw any of those movies. But the stress gets to her. Whether it was the constant break-ins at her home, or maybe it was the fact that she had to wear really, really chafy, old-timey clothing. Because that stuff doesn't look very comfortable. It looks thick and woolen and just kind of gross. It'd be like wearing a wool sweater, but all over your body. She eventually snaps. So she's in class one day. And she's like, kids, you want to learn a real lesson? (laughs) We want to learn how I got these scars. Apparently she became Joker. She has a mental breakdown. She barricades the door. She grabs a hatchet, which she apparently has in her classroom. You know, in case a bear comes lumbering through, there's three little bears standing on top of each other wearing a trench coat and a human face. Wait, no, no, they wouldn't want to be human size. They're supposed to be kids. The little bear cubs would be sneaking in with little human masks. She has the hatchet to chase them off. This teacher has a hatchet in her classroom. She barricades the door shut. She jumps up on her desk, starts swinging the hatchet over her head. That's not part of the myth, but we're just going to add it in. And she proceeds to cut off all the kids' heads. And then there's a bunch of heads just rolling on the ground. The sound, it's just, imagine if you want to know what it sounds like, take a bunch of cabbage, go to the store right now, by 12, 15 heads of cabbage, because I'm assuming that's how many kids are here. Just population numbers. It's actually just a wild guess. Take a bunch of heads of cabbage, bring them home, and throw them on your floor. Or, you know, I guess you could just go on YouTube, type in head of lettuce hitting the floor, play it on YouTube. You don't have to go and buy it all at the store. The point is, is that she chopped off a bunch of heads. Then, she felt bad about it. She felt really bad about it. And she's sitting there, and she's like, Probably shouldn't have done that. Probably should not have chopped off all those kids' heads. So what do you do when you feel bad after a mass murder? You cut their hearts out and walk to the bridge and throw their hearts one by one into the water. That is the story. That's the origin story of what's known as Heartbeat Bridge. Heartbeat Bridge. And the legend today, they say, if you go to Portal, Nebraska, if you go to this little tiny parcel of land... You can walk across Heartbeat Bridge and you can hear the sounds of heartbeats. Now that could be a bullfrog. Could be a bullfrog living underneath the bridge. But supposedly it's the sound of the hearts. And sometimes the ghost teacher will show up on the bridge as well, mourning the loss of all of her students. This story obviously has some huge holes, and I'm not talking about the holes in the children's chest. I, the reason why I was able to make all those jokes about kids getting their heads chopped off, because the story is not true. There's no historical reference 
of a, a mass murder taking place at a school. But Jason, it happened in the 1900s, and they weren't writing stuff down. Trust me, they didn't have the best record keeping, but they would write down, school marm kills 12, throws hearts in river. Like, it's they had very good records dating all the way back to like the 15, 1600s. So early 1900s definitely would have been in the newspaper. So it didn't happen at all. So I feel totally fine making all those jokes. There's a couple other questions about it. One, nobody knows where this bridge is at now. Like, it's weird. It's an urban legend in the area. But when people go, there's disagreement over which bridge it is. Which, to me, it should be pretty obvious. It's the bridge adjacent to the schoolhouse where the kids got murdered, and the bridge where you hear human hearts beating underneath it. It's not an easy thing to confuse. You're at another bridge across town. You're like, that's weird. I don't hear the tortured souls of a bunch of kids, but this might be it. Like, it's either the bridge that has the phenomenon that's in the area, or it doesn't exist. So there's disagreement over which bridge is Heartbeat Bridge, but the bridge supposedly has that horrible sound and a ghost. Most important question is, women, okay, let me say this, like, looking at, like, movies and stuff like that, women in the 1900s, despite their clothes looking very uncomfortable, tended to be, at least in the movies, pretty attractive. Would you bang a school marm ghost? Because, hold on, before you shut off the podcast, let me make my argument. On the one hand, you would say no. Because she's probably going to be like super snooty and she can hit you with a ruler. And I'm not into that type of stuff. Well, I am into snooty girls. I'm into real snacks and other things. We're putting that. Okay, she'll hit you with a ruler and she's a ghost. Those are the two downsides to her being <laughs> banging, banging her, right? But the plus side is she's super snooty and I love like really bitchy chicks. Girls who are like snooty or like bitchy and stuff like that. I love that. So, you get that, because she's a school marm in the 1900s, and she's hot, because she's a school marm from the 1900s, would you would you try seducing her? Now, to be fair, you might have a hard time picking up a ghost at the site of her mass murder, because if that's the only place she manifests, it's not like you could then see her at the library, or see her at a bar, and be like, hey, I read about you in the paper, a horrible thing that happened, but I've I've lost my temper too. Never murdered anybody, but I've been there. Can I buy you a drink? And she'd be like, "Yes, yes, thank you." And you know, you can get your, you can get her mind off of it. You're sitting at the bar. All of a sudden, some funny television show comes on. You sit and watching it together, closed captioning because everyone's talking. You're drinking. You're having a good time, and then you invite her back to your place. That is what I do, generally. But because she's a ghost, she's trapped at the site where you're. Okay, so let's rephrase this here. There's a hot girl, she's sitting on a bridge, where she, a hundred years ago, murdered a bunch of kids, through their hearts, <laughs> through their hearts underwater. And I show up, I'm like, hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, my name's Jason, it's nice to meet you. And she's like, Ugh, yeah, no, she probably gets hit on all the time, and I know, but I, I gotta, like, keep going for this, right? Like, I, 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 this is what I want, you don't let up, first time the girl kind of shrugs, because I get that a lot, ugh. Kind of shrugs, kind of the shoulder look. But I just go, she's just being snooty. So now this has become a, how Jason picks up women episode. The, you you don't give up the first time. Unless they, I've had girls say, I'm not interested. And to me, that's the best. Because then I don't have to waste my time. They'll just be like, no, nah, I'm not interested. I'm like, okay, I'm out. But, and I appreciate that. 
But I'm like, you know, and I, I don't walk away first. I'm like, well, you know, a, a beautiful night out, isn't it? And she's kind of like, yeah, it is really nice. And then I usually will find some of this. Is another tip I do. I will find somebody else in the vicinity to make fun of that I think that person wouldn't like. So let's see me in this. This definitely has become a Jason Picks Up Women episode. I meet a girl at a bar and let's say there's a bad karaoke singer or something like that. I'll be like, oh my God, like, I guess I'll make a joke. I'm not going to repeat one of the jokes I'll make on this episode because they're usually really bad, but girls tend to find them funny. And so I'll, as we're sitting on this heartbeat bridge, as we're sitting on heartbeat bridge, I see a guy jogging in the distance and I'm like, well, look at that guy. Make a, make a funny joke about what he's wearing or something like that. And then she starts laughing and then I'm hitting on her. The whole time we're hearing boom, 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 boom. It's the heartbeats. I'm trying to mack on this girl over the heartbeats of dead, of her dead murder victims. But I would still probably try it. I probably would still try it because I'm just that kind of guy. But I don't remember what. I don't remember what my hypothetical question was. I don't remember if it's if you should or should you hit on a ghost or should I hit on a ghost or I don't remember what the hypothetical was. The point is the story is 100% not true. It's an interesting creepy story that I'm sure was passed around the neighborhood for a long time because there was a creepy schoolhouse in the area that was abandoned and some big brother made this story up and it spread through the neighborhood to the point that now it's an internet legend. But No, no one was murdered here. And the idea of noises being heard underneath bridges is very, very common. There's been stories of the suicide dog bridge in Dublin or Britain or something like that. They see a misty figure kind of walking along the bridge. It's not uncommon to see mist around bridges. It's not uncommon as water is moving underneath stuff to make odd noises. So there probably is a bridge in the area or a bridge somewhere in the world that sounds like there's heartbeats because of the way the water's hitting the rocks. But this story definitely didn't happen. It's an interesting urban legend. And I totally would pick try to pick this chick up. But, but, I don't know if I'd bring her home because I already have a haunted doll and an old man in the closet. I don't know. I'd have to say, how about your place? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then we go into a hellish void. I'm like, ah! Still, it's, I mean, you know. Bad ghost sex is better than no ghost sex. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story that, uh, to be honest, I'm going to have to cut a bunch out of because I went off on that rant. This is a story of a movie that's actually lost media in a sense. Lost media is the idea of, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. So you have stuff that was filmed and then has disappeared or recorded and it's disappeared. And now some lost media is like Grizzly Man. It's a guy who really loved grizzly bears, him and his girlfriend in a tent. And there's an audio recording of them being eaten alive or at least disemboweled by a bear. The camera was uh, on, but the lens cap was on as well. So you hear this audio. That's considered a lost media. There's maybe been 10 people who've listened to it. Christine Chubbuck's suicide video. uh, She was a newscaster who said, I'm going to try to commit. Now for the latest in blood and gore, here's a news first and attempted suicide. She shoots herself on live television. In the 1970s, so there was like one VCR in the nation that recorded it. These things are considered lost media because for the most part, it's all gone. This is an interesting and more lighthearted version of that. I found some more lighthearted lost media that I'm going to profile because I I find the idea of stuff disappearing fascinating. Like there's a lot of old Doctor Who episodes that were lost to time because people, when they were being made, they're like, ah, this is just a stupid show for kids or this is just a bunch of nerds. 
we'll just shoot the show. No one will ever want to watch it again. And so they were like re-recording over tapes a lot. It wasn't just Doctor Who, but a lot of shows did that. But what happened with Doctor Who was some fan was recording it way back in the day with this like very first VCR. So they were able to reconstruct a lot of old episodes and they found episodes in like the BBC archives and stuff like that. So anyways, this one though was, is basically lost media only in North America. You can watch it on YouTube, but you can't show it to anybody else. You cannot, it cannot be commercially shown in the United States or Canada because of a lawsuit with two of their actors. This movie is called Dawn's Plum. And I watched it in preparation for this story. I don't like dramas. The first 10 minutes is really irritating because I hate jazz music. I can't stand it. I cannot stand jazz music. And people go, dude, you're a big hip hop fan. You love rap. Jazz is the beginning of rap. Yeah, I love human women and humans evolved from protozoas coming out of the ocean. I don't love protozoas. Like, I get it that jazz may have influenced the music I listen to, but jazz sucks. It's the worst music out there. I hate it. I'd rather listen to honky-tonk country than jazz. And I despise honky-tonk country. I don't like jazz. So when the movie started off at a jazz club, it already was too beats behind but they leave the jazz club and it's some of the worst jazz music too i'm coming he's not coming but it's like this is a musical episode apparently jazz is coming and it's making you feel good girls you know how i make you feel make you feel like you're the only one in the world girls oh my god dude i was like i'm only watching this movie so i can do a segment on it they leave the jazz club. The whole movie is basically these characters sitting at a Denny's-esque restaurant called Don's Plum. Maybe it's supposed to be a fancier restaurant, but it reminded me of a Denny's with the kind of the seating. There's four guys, and they each have to bring a girl. Each weekend, they bring a different girl to this place. They sit around, they talk. It is one of the most authentic movies like that I've seen in a long time. Because I used to do that. I used to go hang out with my friends. We'd all show up. We'd go to a Denny's. We'd sit around and talk. Sometimes we talk about normal stuff. Sometimes a fight would break out. Sometimes someone would bring a girl that... We didn't bring a different girl each weekend, but sometimes somebody would bring a girl that nobody knew and she started mouthing off and the confrontation starts. Or sometimes one of the dudes would start mouthing off. Confrontation starts. So it's a very, very realistic movie. and Very, very well done movie. The, the problem is, is its strength. Is you have an actor, all four actors were fairly well known at the time, and a lot of them have gone on to do certain things. But uh, one of the actors, I don't remember, we had the actor who was in Entourage. You're like, Jeez, that doesn't help me. There's a bunch of actors. It was an Entourage. There's a bunch of people. I don't remember. Anyways, there was a guy from Entourage. But then Toby Maguire and Leonard, Leonard, Toby Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonard DiCaprio, as he's more commonly known as are in this movie as well. This was before Titanic. This was before the Cider House Rules. It's basically total, it's almost all improv. It's very, very, it's almost all ad-libbed. And it's really off the cuff. So they make this movie, which apparently was a, there's a lot of uh, disagreements on what was going on. But anyways, this movie is made. And Tobey Maguire and or his agent is like, shut it down. You can't let this movie get released. You look like a jerk. And he does look pretty bad, but Leonardo DiCaprio looks like a psychopath in this movie. And again, very, very real. I don't think he's a psychopath, but he comes off as a very, very irritating jerk in it. 
and he does a great job doing it. And that may have been him. That may be him now. That may have been him when he was younger. It could have been acting. It could have been a little bit of everything put together. But he apparently he thought it was great. Uh, Tobey Maguire's people thought it was garbage, and they didn't want to get released before you know Pleasantville and all these movies he was going to do. Because it's very raw. It's like a drama version of Clerks. That type of language and stuff like that. So Leonardo DiCaprio twice threatens to throw a bottle at a woman's head. And that girl was Tara from Buffy. So again, you had a lot of young people before their careers took off. So what happened was basically eventually Toby... This is all alleged, but um, the producer of the film believes that Toby Maguire turned Leonardo DiCaprio against the movie as well. And... Through various lawsuits, the way it is set up right now is that the movie cannot be shown commercially in the United States or Canada. Eventually, the producer of the movie went on to try to do another... was basically blackballed from Hollywood. Goes on to do another project in Hollywood. Is told, as they're like signing the paperwork, someone goes, Oh wait, you're the guy who was behind Don's Plum. The, The guy's name was Dale Wheatley. The producer's name was Dale Wheatley. So you're getting ready to sign another project. Someone goes, well, you're the guy who did Don's Plum, right? And Dale's like, yeah. And they're like, we can't do this deal with you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And the, the producer who he said was a multi-billion dollar producer making these huge movies. The producer goes, I can't, I can't mess with you because Leonardo DiCaprio will shut me down. And Dale goes, you're more powerful than Leonardo DiCaprio. And the multi-billion dollar producer's quote was, Nobody is more powerful than Leo. Now, so basically, at this point, the movie is made. You can watch it on YouTube, but you're not supposed to. And it's you can see it overseas, but it, I mean, the movie at this point is like 20 years old as well. But you got a movie starring two of the biggest actors, soon-to-be actors at that time. Leonardo DiCaprio is still a powerhouse. Tobey Maguire is still an A-list star. The funniest footnote to the story is, yes, it's lost media. For Until the internet popped up, it was really hard to find a copy of this. Lars von Trier, the director who does not care about anything, held a film festival just to show the movie. He didn't show it in America. He's not going to get fined or arrested. But he did have a film festival, and he showed the movie over there. And he basically is the... He's the Kanye West of filmmaking. And Kanye West is the penultimate rock star right now and that's Lars von Trier he just does whatever he wants he doesn't care I love both of those guys but anyways check out Don's Plum it's a fascinating film it'll probably make you either really really mad that people like these exist or it'll remind you of your glory days or both yeah check out Don's Plum it is a example of lost media or semi-lost media media that was pushed to be lost but the producer wouldn't let it go. And the producer is actually the one who was pushing to have it online for free. Just so somebody could see the movie he made with a bunch of his friends back in the days. Before lawsuit after lawsuit started. Let's go ahead and move on to our last story here. Do I have enough time? Do I have enough time? I talked so long about banging ghosts. Let's see here. I'm going to pull an audible. Because I want to do that alien story tomorrow. Let's go ahead we're leaving behind the restaurant known as Don... What restaurant's named Don's Plum, anyways? It's kind of a stupid title for a movie. Stupid title for a restaurant, but it's a well-made movie. We say goodbye to Don's Plum. We say goodbye to Leonard DiCaprio. See you later, Leonard. He's like, hey. We're going to hop in the rabbit rowboat, and we're going out to sea. We're not going to Brussels. We're going out to the Atlantic Ocean. You're like, that's really specific, Jason. Just keep rowing. 
A wave knocks my banjo out into ocean. I'm like, no, banjo. I turn to you. I picture you as a banjo now, and I'm like, hmm, maybe if I pulled out his veins and his arteries and tied them around his ankles, I could get the right sort of sound. And you're like, Jason, you just said that out loud. I'm like, sorry, sorry. So as I'm still trying to figure out how to turn you into a human banjo, we're going back to the year 1917. The date is September 15th. And we're going to sail up and we see a boat on the horizon. It's called the Zabrina. And there's a dude named Captain Martin. His first name is not Captain, but that's weird. I wonder what his first name was because his, his, he's Captain and his last name it's a first name. I remember once I watched this show, there was like Gidget. It was a Gidget television series. And I learned a valuable lesson on Gidget television series. There was a surfer guy who always dispensed advice. And he said, never trust someone with two first names. And I've always remembered that. I can't necessarily say it's true. I don't know why you shouldn't trust someone with two first names. But whenever you meet someone whose name is like Stanley Martin, don't trust someone with two first names. Captain Martin, though. He's the captain of the Sabrina. It's a three-mast schooner. And it goes port to port in Europe. So basically, this was a time where it was built to like put coal in. And not like a coal, not like a coal in like a butthole, but put coal, the burning stuff, in. And you would just go from port to port. So basically it would move around Europe, basically like a bus, but on the water. And it was a flat bottom boat. It's basically like a giant barge, but it could also go farther out into the ocean. I assume other barges can do that too. So anyways, it would basically go from port to port. Now, it's 1917, so we're in World War I. Not a good time to be a boat. Never. There's never a good time to be a boat because then you're an inanimate. Is a boat an inanimate? You knew this was coming when I said that. Is a boat an inanimate object? Not a single thing moves on a boat. Rowboats, sure, you have oars. But a sailboat, is that an inanimate object? A car is animate because the wheels turn, right? And a bicycle, same thing. Is a plane an inanimate? I wonder, well now I can't say the word. But is a plane an inanimate object? You're like, Jason, you just said you didn't have time. You spent so much time talking about banging ghost marms. You had to cut a story off. Now you're talking about whether or not... Puzzle. Puzzle for your brain. Brain teaser. Is a boat an inanimate object? Anyways, it's not a good time to be a boat. 1917. They're getting blown up. Captain Martin takes the Sabrina out on September 15th, 1917. On September 17th, 1917, it washes up on a French shore. That's not a bunch of explosions. That's the water hitting the side of the boat that's sitting on the beach. The Sabrina was completely empty. There's nobody on the boat, which would make sense because it was up on the beach. But then the question goes, where are the people? Now, the Sabrina normally had a six-man crew, but for this mission, when it was hauling this coal, had 23 men, all missing. And people started to ask questions. They go, why would you need so many more people? The theory became that the Sabrina on this particular mission, most of the time it worked the world's largest slaughterhouse. It wasn't in there chopping up cows. It was moving meat all over Europe. And because it had that flat bottom, it could go down those narrow rivers. 
This time it was moving coal and it washes up on shore. Everyone's disappeared. The belief was that it was a Q boat, which was a boat used to haul weapons. Looked like a normal boat, acted like a normal boat. Drew no suspicion except for the fact that it had those sweet, sweet armaments inside its hold. But that doesn't explain, if it was a Q-boat, doesn't explain where everybody went. And after the war, war ends, good guys win, bad guys lose. Well, it depends on where you're listening to this episode. But after the war, people go, hey, you remember that boat? Like, was there this boat, the Zabrina, that was attacked on this particular day or in these two days? And the Germans go, no, we don't have any record of attacking that boat. We have no record of taking any prisoners of war from that boat. And I always find it weird that people even bother keeping records during war, but they do. And they go, we don't have any record of these troops or these prisoners or anything like that. This is the theory. And this is kind of a chilling, creepy story. So one, you just have possibly a ghost ship. Ship goes out, aliens suck them all away, or a ghost shows up and kills them off one by one, takes them to the hell dimension. Or they go through some sort of Bermuda Triangle and they travel a thousand years into the future or 50 years into the past. That's all well and good and very sci-fi and very apt for this show. I think the actual explanation is creepier, to be honest. This is the working theory. The Zabrina is going through the water and a German U-boat, a submarine, shows up and fires a torpedo at it. Passes right underneath the boat because it's a flat bottom boat. It's a barge. Now it looks like a normal boat. Missile goes, torpedo goes right underneath it. So, at that point, the maybe they fire a couple more, I don't know. The submarine then pulls up to the Zabrina, boards the ship, and takes the crew prisoner. Now, if there were any weapons hidden on the ship, they could have taken the weapons as well. Because when the ship did wash ashore, there's no idea of whether or not there was a bunch of coal found on the boat or guns found on the boat. But it, And this is a historical event as well. The... Idea is this, that they were captured by the Germans, and you had these 23 men brought onto this German sub. You had these 23 men brought on the German sub. But then, the sub sinks. So you have no record of the prisoners being taken. You have no record of the attack. Everyone who knows about that attack died in the sub. I find that honestly creepier you imagine you're on a boat let's say you're not hauling weapons let's say you're on this boat and you get captured by the germans now you may be a sailor all your life but being in one of the first submarines ever used would be quite different so you and your 22 buddies are crammed into an enemy underwater vessel still quite alien planes are still flying around for the first time for crying out loud And you've heard of these subs, these U-boats, but now you're being led into this dark, steamy, stinky vehicle. And while you're down there, you can't wait to get back to your family. You just want to get rescued. If you get sent to a prison camp, that's fine. Eventually the war will end. Hopefully you guys will win. And you'll go back home. But then while you're in this vessel, something goes wrong. Mismanagement. Enemy attack, your own people trying to attack what they see as an enemy sub that has you in it. A torpedo ripping through the hole. A navigation error crashing into the seafloor. What have you. Just two days earlier, you were a sailor on a barge hauling weapons. Or maybe 
just coal. And now you're in a vessel at the bottom of the ocean, surrounded by your friends, and you are all surrounded by the enemy. And as water pours into the hole of this strange vehicle, you can't help think it would have been preferable had you got whisked into an alien dimension or met your end of the hand of a vengeful spirit than to be trapped here in the dark, in the cold, in the wet coffin that no one will ever know about. Your death is a mystery and no one will ever find out the answer. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mm-hmm.